0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to an episode of the Universe Podcast. I have no idea what episode we're on. This is a solo episode because my partner in crime, Chris Hayes, is in Las Vegas for the SEMA show. So he's setting up there to do a bunch of episodes and, you know, that'll all be great. I'm not going to SEMA this year. Uh, I avoid SEMA as much as I can unless someone's paying me to go because otherwise I'm missing Halloween with my daughter and that just sounds terrible. So I don't want to do that. Um, If there's money involved, if if it's a different story, you know, if it's worth my time to go out there, then, then we can talk. Um, but no, I'm not going to SEMA this year. Instead, I am staying home, and I'm currently sitting in a Range Rover Sport SVR. Uh, I'm driving this car this week. Uh, we're gonna shoot video on it. I'm driving this, and then I'm following it immediately up with the Range Rover Sport TD6, which is the diesel. So I'm gonna do a combo video of the two vehicles, and basically talk about how there are multiple flavors of the Range Rover Sport. You can kind of pick your poison and do what you want. Um, I really like the TD6, though the SVR is a wild animal of a machine. We've reviewed it before on its own on the YouTube channel, but I want to kind of take a look. I also just wanted to drive it again, but I want to take a look at the two different sides of the Range Rover Sport world. So right now, like I said, I have the um, I have the the SVR, and I have the Monroni in my hands. So I can tell you that this has a 5-liter supercharged V8. It makes 575 horsepower and 516 pound-feet of torque. Sends it out through an 8-speed automatic gearbox, all-wheel drive. It does have a 2-speed transfer case, so there is high and low range. So it is still a Range Rover, and you can do Range Rover stuff, though you're likely to rip the front splitter off. And, and you know, the, the, there's body bits and 22-inch wheels and um, SVR carbon fiber. This has the SVR carbon Carbon fiber exterior, packed with exposed carbon fiber hood, which is a fifty-two hundred dollar option. The base price, the base price of the uh, Range Rover Sport SVR is one hundred thirteen thousand dollars, one hundred thirteen six hundred thousand, one hundred thirteen thousand six hundred dollars. I don't know why I couldn't say that. This one, as tested, is one hundred thirty two thousand dollars one hundred and ten. So a fair bit of options, a monster machine, just. It's badass. The seats in it are like full-on race seats. Uh, It has a great Meridian sound system, really nice dark leather inside. However, I also just spent some time this past weekend with what would be considered a step above this. Not necessarily in power, but in maybe prestige and luxury and all that. So this past weekend on Saturday, I flew from Orange County up to the San Francisco airport greeted, I was greeted at the airport by some handlers from Bentley who met me curbside with the keys to a Bentley Bentayga V8. So this is the newer, smaller engine Bentayga. It still makes, I want to say like 540 horsepower or something like that. I don't know off the top of my head, the exact horsepower output, but that is a good way to get off a plane Grab your bag. Uh, I had my. I, I didn't check a bag. You know, stored in the overhead. Walk out of the doors of arrivals, and there's a bentego waiting for you. And now you're you. Already plugged into the NAV as a de- destination two hours plus south of there. So I drove. You cut over. I don't remember the the freeway, but from San Francisco, you head south and west. And you cut over this nice pass down towards Half Moon Bay. It was pretty slow there because it was really trafficy. y uh, But it, otherwise, is it a nice drive. And then you wind up on PCH. Keep going south at that point. Eventually, make your way towards Monterey. Drive right past Laguna Seca. Continue up over this other grade road that's right there um, towards Carmel Valley and I arrive at my very nice hotel. Uh, it was a great drive down, even with the traffic. The Bentley is a ridiculous machine. Um, I'm going to preface this by saying I like ugly cars. So I like the way the Bentayga looks. It's not the most gorgeous machine. You know, it's a big slab sided thing. Uh, Rolls Royce, I think did a better job with the styling of their SUV. Cause it's like Rolls Royce scales up really nicely whereas the Bentega could have used a bit more finessing. But inside of it, the seats are fantastic. The sound system is exceptional. The driving, just the driving pleasure going down the road, just chewing up miles on the highway. It's tough to beat that. I love Range Rovers. If I were in the market and I could afford a Bentega or a fully loaded Range Rover, I'd likely still get the Range Rover, especially the full-size Range Rover. Um, but the Bentega V8 starts to uh, decrease the gap a bit. When I drove the W12 version of the Bentayga for video, the price was outrageous. Um, I forget what it was, but I'm sure it was well over $200,000. So the price point is outrageous when you can get a really nice Range Rover for $100,000 less. Now, if you're buying a Bentley, you might not care about that. You just want the Bentley. I get it. You own many other cars at this point. It doesn't matter. You're not deciding between one or the other. You could have both. You could have the Range Rover and the Bentley. But let's say you had to choose between both of them. The rate with a hundred thousand dollar split, the Range Rover seems like a pretty damn good way to go. It is a lovely-looking machine, it's comfortable inside and out, it makes more noise than the Bentley if you like that, which I do. So it is it's great. Now the Bentley Bentayga V8 starts at $165,000, which is only $30,000 away from this. There's more room in the Bentayga than this. It's more comfortable than this. It has more curb presence. Definitely. You know, everybody's like, Oh, that's cool. A Range Rover. Oh man, that's a Bentley. You know, that's, that's a different story to have. So uh, granted the Bentayga I tested was not stock so it still shot over $200,000 because it had this optional extra glorious leather you know deep pile carpets had a black trim pack on the outside which looked really good better than the chrome bits and it was awesome I still love the Range Rover SVR but the Bentayga V8 made me appreciate that car more than the W12 did. It's almost like the DB11. When uh, I first drove the DB11 V12, I expected to fall in love, and I liked it. And then I drove the DB11 V8, and I was like, oh, yeah, here's the magic. So kind of the same story for the Bentayga. So that was interesting. What I was doing was, why I I was working on a Saturday... um, it was for the California 8-Hour eight eight hour Endurance Race, which is basically the last leg of the Pirelli World Challenge Series or the GT Challenge, whatever they call it now. Um, and then also running were some GT4 race cars. So GT3 cars, GT3 level cars for the main race. So a few GT4 cars and then two Hyundai Veloster N's for the TCR race. So, you know, Veloster N was going to win that, even though one of them got knocked out of the race, which sucked for them. Uh, I, I met the driver who was in the car when it got knocked out during the launch of the Veloster N, and he helped me shave a second off my autocross time. So I felt I felt even worse, you know, you know personally knowing the guy in the car. It sucked so much for them for that to have happened. They got knocked into an already crashed Ferrari right in the corkscrew. Uh, nothing they could do to avoid that one. So the reason I was there, though, was to watch the, uh, the Bentleys, the, the Bentley boys do their thing. They had three cars out there, two factory cars, which are have the new Continental GT design, and then one K-Pax racing car, which used to race McLarens with the older design, but cooler livery because it had almost old school Speed 8 livery. Um, those Bentley GT3 cars sound absolutely amazing on the racetrack. The Mercedes uh, AMGs, are right there too, but the Continental GT, holy shit, does that thing sound good out there. It absolutely roars and burbles. by. The Audis have more of like a traditional race car noise, the GT3 Audis, the GT4 Audis are are quiet. The GT3 Audis, there was a lone Aston Martin Vantage GT4 car that was the loudest car on the track. It was amazing. Um, There was one Mustang GT350 race car, that had the loudest gearbox out there. Every time he was it was uh, downshifting for turn two. So Laguna Seca turn one is actually on the crest with the slight left, and then turn two is the first big left, which is almost like a two-part turn. It might be even two and three. I don't know for sure. But when he was banging gears into turn two, it was hilariously loud. It was as loud as the the Lamborghini race cars were there. And the cool thing about the Lamborghinis were they were spinning flame. Now Bentley did something cool where they rented a hospitality suite that is on the other side. Side of the track so all the pits if you know Laguna Seca are let's say you're staring up the track at the start finish line the pits are to your left you keep moving up the track towards that kink left turn one and about right there on the right side of the track up on a hill is a lone hospitality suite where you can see almost all of the track except the, just a the little bit of the backside with the corkscrew so it's actually a better place to watch the race than the corkscrew because if you're at the corkscrew you just see the corkscrew. Um, so we could see almost all of the track. It was awesome. We got to see the high speeds coming down the straight. You get to see the start of the race where they battle for turn two. It was really, really cool. Great place to watch the race. And I mean, you're in a hospitality suite with food. There was some, there was some alcohol there, but I didn't have any because we drove the Bentegas to the track from the, the hotel in the morning back up over that great grade road. I can't remember. It's like Laura less grade or something like that. Awesome road. If you don't hit traffic, um, Uh, So it was a convoy of there was a Continental GT in front of us and then um, I think six Bentegas without I was in the lead Bentega. And that was a pretty amazing sight in the the mirror. Uh, I kept up with the Continental GT. The rest of the group fell back for some reason, but, you know, whatever. Uh, That was kind of fun. And then we watched the race, and at the end of the day, we had to convoy back. So I didn't want to drink anything because we had to convoy back over the hill. This time, I was behind the Pikes Peak winning Bentayga, which was there on display. I got to sit in this car. I didn't get to drive it. This is the one that Reese Millen drove up Pike's Peak to set, I believe it's an, a production SUV record. Now it's it's stock except the interior has a full, like one of the craziest roll cages I've ever seen with the largest door bars and then race seats and then no back seat. but there was still, uh, it was almost a full Bentley spec dash. I think it was a full dash, full steering wheel. Um, the doors were a little bit lighter. They took some stuff out of the doors, but other than that, I think it was just a stock Bentayga um, in this flat green paint with a wrap or a paint job of uh, mountains. It was a really cool look. Reese Millen had a signature on the dash, so I was behind that over the hill. Unfortunately for the Bentley rep driving it, we were a little bummed because we got a few clean turns and then we hit some traffic. That wasn't going anywhere. Um, but it was funny to be behind that Bentega on the way back to the hotel. Once we got to the hotel, you know, it was time to change and it was party time because... Um, it was the last game of the World Series and my Red Sox won. So that was pretty fucking awesome. I stepped away from the dinner with the Bentley people for a minute to watch the final outs of the game. I was watching it on my phone during dinner, um, just the play-by-play, not the actual video feed. And then I stepped away. uh, They won and I ordered a glass of scotch, which was appropriate. So that was nice. Uh, And then the next morning woke up, had Didn't have to rush to the airport, which was nice. I, I got on the road just after traffic because traffic from all the way Carmel Valley to SFO could be a bit of a bitch. Um, but I, I think I left the hotel at like 930, hopped back in the Bentega, and put it in ways and just did a, um, like 100 miles to the airport, uh, whatever the distance was, 106 miles or something. Because they had me go down to the 101 and then up. Uh, and the Bentega was great. It's a great vehicle to cruise. Again, met curbside by representatives from the vehicle delivery service. They took the keys and I walked into the airport. And I mean, that is, if you can do that on occasion, it is a hell of a way to travel. So that was really nice of them. We're going to, I'm going to be lining up more time with that Bentega V8 for proper video review. And then while I was at the race, excuse me, while I was at the race, the Continental GTs were available for drive loops. So I did get to drive the new Continental GT for uh, a little bit. I'm going to line that up for a longer purpose, too. The one I drove, if you go on my Instagram, at Jeff, there's a picture of the green one. That's the one I drove. The The color is gorgeous with the dark brown interior. The Continental GT was always fine. Um, it was, you know, the first Bentley that was within reach for more people. Bentleys were always stratospherically priced. Um, and then this was like the first you know, baller on a budget, relatively speaking to, you know, still Rolls Royces were still crazy expensive, but Bentley started reaching down into new markets and they might have been one of the first ones to like set the trend. where like, you know, McLaren came along later. It's like, we can make a car at this price point. Lamborghini, we can make a car that's a little bit, you know, under the Gallardo and then, or, you know, uh, well, the Gallardo was really you know, reachable for the wealthier set who isn't crazy wealthy. Um, but there are these supercars and exotic cars that that tr- that close the gap between top-tier luxury cars and then exotic luxury. Um, so the Continental GT was one of the first ones that stands out to me as doing that. This version is so much better than the car it replaces. It's... Um, much like DB9 to DB11, this is uh, such a leap over the last Continental GT. The styling on the outside, the headlights are fantastic. The taillights look great. Uh, like I said, that paintwork is gorgeous. Interior is amazing. The way the wood wraps around from one door all the way to the other door. Their center stack and their infotainment is good, which has always been a, a weak spot for, for Bentley. It's because it was just like a base Audi system that tried to look fancier with knobs and switches, you know, real metal and stuff like that. But it didn't It didn't fit the car. And now it looks gorgeous. Though it does have CarPlay and Android Auto if you if you want that, and I did use Waze through the system, and that's nice. The sound system, fantastic. The engine note, amazing. I cannot wait till they come out with some insane 700 horsepower super sport version of it because you know it's coming. Um, it is it is a tremendous Grand Touring machine. Uh, you know it is it is a top notch, one of the greatest Grand Tours on the planet, no question. I. I talk about them all the time. You know I love Aston Martin, but this new Continental GT is amazing. It was gorgeous. I need more time though. I definitely need more time. It wasn't enough time. It was like a, hello, how do you do? Okay, that was it. Um, and we were looking for photo spots so I wasn't pushing the car hard or, or you know exploring the space as it were. But came back from the trip, great trip. Hopped in my Mercedes, drove home from the airport. Uh, Mercedes is running well. Get home. This was the Range Rover was waiting for me, and I look forward, like I said, getting into the diesel. I've got a few trucks coming in the lineup too, um, but I don't think I've podcasted since I drove the Veloster N, and that's a car we really need to talk about. The Veloster N is really, really, really good. Like, it's legit. Albert Behrman and his team, Albert Behrman is the former M Division boss from BMW. This, he is putting his stamp on this thing. If you watched my video review of the Turbo R-Spec, I said that it's, it's so much better than the car it replaces and it still had a few issues, but it is, it is a legit, it is a legit machine now that is worthy of your dollars. The steering was still a little bit odd, but, uh, you know, other than that, the car was great. The steering in the N is fantastic. It had none of that weird on centerness that I noticed. Um, And just for for reference, we drove this on the street around Thunder Hill Raceway and on Thunder Hill Raceway. And we were lapping. We did a lot of laps, and these cars showed no signs of giving up. Um, The 275-horsepower engine. So I drove the Performance Pack car. There's a standard pack and a Performance Pack. The standard car gets 260 horsepower. The performance pack gets 275 horse, and then it also gets um, the that active exhaust for the popping and the snapping, and it gets 19-inch uh, wheels instead of 18-inch wheels, um, and there might have been one other thing that maybe is, isn't as important. Oh, it, no, actually, no, it gets the ELSD up front. Now, I really want to drive a non-LSD car because that's the one I guess Albert Behrman and his team prefer just for about rotating the car a little bit. But I drove the the, um, ELSD car, and the chassis is fucking great. The brakes are excellent. The gearbox felt good. The steering was great. The engine was great. This thing was amazing out on track. And then I got to drive another one later for a few laps on an empty track because I was the first one to hop in this car, and it was really nice. So no other journalists were, you know, holding you up or whatever. They had dealer-optional installed Trofeo R compound tires on it, which is such overkill for that car, but it was so awesome. The regular Michelin Pilot, uh, their Pilot Super Sports, I I think they were four S's. Shit, I don't remember exactly. No, 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 I'm totally wrong. They're Pirelli's this wears Pirellis. This wears special Pirellis because they're made for Hyundai, because there's a little HN badge uh, on the tire. You know how Pirelli like makes bespoke tires for everybody. So they're Pirellis. I'm totally wrong. They're awesome Pirellis. And normally I prefer Michelins, but these things felt great out there on the track. Now, one thing uh, that was interesting during the presentation, and I really liked the way Beerman didn't like take shit from a journalist for this. Some journalists asked, why aren't you using Brembos? Uh, because that's like the go-to, Oh, it's a performance pack car. I got to throw Brembo's on it. And they're not using Brembo's because they said we found brakes that work already within our existing product suppliers. Um, we just gave it better pads. And then there's optional track pads as well, which, uh, are, were, what was on the car we were driving. He's like, he's, he's like, so we're saving you money and the pads are fine. Like the brakes are great. It's like it doesn't need Brembos. Like he was you his tone, you could tell he was annoyed at the question, and I loved it. Because yeah, he's he just saved us money and the brakes work great. I didn't notice any fading all day. On the auto, there was an autocross. Those cr- cars had the standard brake pads, and there was a little bit of fading, but honestly, we were I, we were lapping these hard. So I I went over to the autocross at one point and I couldn't find more time and it was making me so frustrated. Uh, Brian Silvestro from Road and Track was there and that dude autocrosses and he was crushing it. I think he beat the pros time in the car. Um, So his time was down like 39.9. He did one where he nicked two cones, but it was a 39.7, but that one got thrown out. Um, So I think it's 39.9 stood. I was 41.7 and I could not find any time. The guys there, the people running the track were like, no, 41's great. Everybody's like, wait, you know, most times are much slower than that. But it was still pissing me off that I couldn't, I wanted to get into 40 so bad I couldn't find the time anywhere. So... I was pushing, pushing, pushing way too hard, and in one of my last runs there earlier in the day, I was pushing too hard through the timing box, and I went into full ABS mode after the timing box and almost put the goddamn car into a K-rail, and we all decided that maybe I needed to take a break, so I went and had lunch. And uh, I came back later in the day. I asked them if anybody else did that. They're like, nope, you're the only one who almost put the car on an autocross course into a gr-. and there was like plenty of room. I really fucked up, almost fucked up. Um, full ABS lock, trying to turn the car to the left. Like, no, it was like, yeah, I'm going to go take a breather. Uh, so I did some, uh, the street drive. I did the track drive. I came back. I had to find more time. There's no one on the autocross course. I'm just out there. And the two pro drivers were chilling over there at this point. Cause Hyundai brought in their TCR drivers. Uh, one of them is Michael Lewis, young kid. He says, Hey dude, do you mind if I go for you? He's like, you clearly know what you're doing. Uh, maybe I can help. Um, Because even the the non-drivers who who were like, I think you can get a little time here. So everybody was trying to help me, which was great. Like, they were all rooting for me. I do two laps with Michael Lewis in the left seat. And immediately, he's like 40, 39, like, the two laps. It was was amazing. He showed me, just watching him, the first chicane I wasn't taking flat. You can take it flat. Then, like, one of the second or third big turn, left turns. He's braking way to the right of the track, like almost outside the cones to set up and shortening this one corner to get more speed through the next chicane. Um, and then there's one section where it feels like you're going too slow, but you have to go to that slow and just wait, wait, wait to get on the gas or you're going to understeer. And he, t- he t- ran me through it in my head, mentally went through it. He hops out of the car. I go out and I immediately did a 40.5. It was amazing, his instruction. So I was running 41.7, 41.7, couldn't find time after he showed me at 40.5 my next 3 runs 40.5 40.5. So they were legit cheering for me and then they were all like the the race car drivers were actually impressed cuz of the consistency which is something race car drivers strive for. So it felt really good. I never broke below that, but all I wanted to do was get into the 40s and then to take over a second off my autocross time. Michael Lewis, you're the man. It was awesome. Later that night at dinner, cuz you know they always do these fancy dinners, we were at some place, uh, we were up in Sacramento staying literally next door to um, where the Kings play, and they have this big fancy like bowling alley in next to the restaurant, and there's all this crazy shit going on, and the racer car driver and a few other people were playing cornhole, and I come over to him and told him where to hit the bag on the board, and he scored like his next three throws. So, you know, you give and you take, and <laughs> you, you know what you're good at in life, and you know, yeah, I gave him the knowledge to be better at cornhole. He made me a better autocross driver for that given course. And it was great. Um, but we kept lapping. Car was great. I, the Veloster N, they they didn't give us the actual price, but they said their estimated price, what they're shooting for with destination and handling for the performance pack is sub $30,000. And that is fantastic. This, um, I mean, for those of you shopping for the GTI, even for those of you shopping for the Golf R, you need to seriously consider. If you're thinking about the GTI, get the Veloster N. If you're thinking about the Golf R, okay, now we need to have a serious conversation because I really want to drive these back to back. I have to assume the Golf R is heavier, you know, with the all-wheel drive system and all of that. Um, it has more power, but I'm curious with the weight difference, uh, the chassis could potentially be. A little bit more buttoned up. Uh, I really want to drive them head to head on a track or on a canyon road and just on a track to really, really push them to their limits. The Golf R will be slightly nicer inside, but the Veloster N is really nice inside at the same time. So, I, oh man, I, I'm so like I said, I'm dying to drive the 18 inch wheel non LSD Veloster N, and then I want to drive a Golf R back to back with the fully loaded. Veloster and uh the spread between the Veloster Ns the standard and the performance is only like 2 grand so you should totally get the performance. Um and then maybe even drop back down to the 18-inch wheels just you know performance pack 18-inch wheels that might be the way to go. And then get the higher spec brakes. Um man okay so when I drove it on the street drive if you've ever been up near Thunderhill there is just these beautiful empty sweeping roads it's farm it's cow country it's farm country there's no one out there visibility is fantastic so i was driving very very fast however i didn't realize how fast i was driving i glanced down at the speedo it did not feel like i was going that fast because the car was so stable and planted i i'm gushing over this car because it is legit the key so by comparison the kia stinger should change the way people think about kia the Hyundai Veloster and no question, should change the way people think about Hyundai. Because for those of us enthusiasts who have sampled these cars, we already know that the brands are good. Oh, there's a McLaren slinking by right now as I'm doing this uh, podcast. It is a yellow 570 um, with no plate. I was going to see if it's a press car. Yellow with the car. But that was funny. Sorry. Um, so the Veloster N, I mean, so enthusiasts, we already know that these are good cars. These are well-made cars. Hyundai even said it themselves. When they came to this country, the first thing was to show value. Then the next thing after that was to make the cars good. And now they're adding with Genesis some luxury and with N brand some performance. So they've they made them value conscious and they got some customers that way. Then they made them good. Uh, And they got more customers that way. And now they're making them exciting. And it's a pretty damn smart path to to do it. Um, I know their sales are down year over year or something like that. But I got to tell you, if you are thinking about buying a performance vehicle that you can totally daily drive, I I wish it was a regular four-door. I don't care about the three-door setup or four-door, whatever you want to call it. Um, The Veloster N is really fucking good. So I'm putting that on record. It is really, really good. Um with that said I'm going to um uh, grab my phone and dive to some Patreon questions. Um just make sure this is still recording. I think it is. Yeah. So yeah, it's still recording. Um so I'm using a totally different mic now that I'm trying out for video. It's called the InstaMic and it's pretty good so far. So I'm trying to see how it translates to a podcast cuz it should go pretty well. So now I'm going to pull up Patreon. Uh I th- I don't think we have a lot of questions today. Um so let's give this a second to load. It wants me to log back in because, of course, I'm not prepared. And you guys know how that goes. Um, but back to the, um, the Veloster N. I really, really enjoyed it. I want to spend more time with it, which I'll try to do soon. I got to talk to the Hyundai folks and get my hands on it for longer. It is, it is just... I, 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 I'm gushing. Again, I'm gushing over it because it's that good. Okay, so Patreon questions. Dan Mosqueda asks, "Did you hear that Rory Reed is not being brought back to Top Gear? He's incredibly talented. Why give him? A-? Yes, I mentioned I, I mentioned this on Twitter when I saw the news. I know he's doing Extra Gear or Top Gear, whatever the after show is. But they are, he had some of the greatest segments last year. His Japanese car segment was unbelievable. He was a different type of voice. He was he was great, and I think it's a huge mistake." moving to whoever these two other guys are Rory Reed definitely should have stuck around. I really, really liked Rory. He got absolutely hosed. Um, Neil Weingarten asked any new rugged Ridge gems for us. It never ends. Go to the video. Uh, and, and see for yourself. They always pop up. I mean, don't, don't go in there to start shit. If you want to like, if you want to have fun and troll, that's fine. But like, just, I just let them be. They're all fucking jackasses in there. The the negative comments. Um, so whatever. Um, but that, I mean, that was it for Patreon today. So that was easy. Uh, you guys get off light, um, I'm jumping back to the mic app so I can make sure we're still recording here. Yeah. So what else do we have coming up, car wise? Well, I just scheduled the Jaguar I-Pace, which I'm very excited. I only have it for three days, which is fine because I have to charge it in the normal manner. Um, and then, but I'm really, really curious about the car. I think it has like 512 pound-feet of electric, instantly available torque. That should be amazing. Speaking of electric torque, did you guys see the Chevy Camaro announcement at SEMA? Holy shit! the e-Copo Camaro. So for those of you who don't know and haven't seen this, Chevy has made an all-electric Copo Camaro drag car. It has four battery packs, which combine for 800 volts. It has two Borg Warner electric motors. The total power output combined is 700 horsepower and 600 pound-feet of torque. And so far, because they're still developing in the car, so far, Chevy says they've been running mid or like, like in the nine second range in a fully electric drag racer and it bolts to their ignis, existing automatic uh, transmission bell housing. They're using a, a turbo 400 gearbox. This is amazing. It's, uh, and then this is, they're not, they don't have immediate plans for electric crate motors, but it is something that they're paying attention to and working to develop. So for those of you who want just some insane future products, this is this could be very exciting stuff here. I love V8s, I love loud, fast engines, but there's some really cool shit you can do with electric motors. And to have a major automaker like Chevy finally dipping its toes in the water for potential aftermarket crate motor applications, that is that's that is some exciting shit right there. I'm trying to think about what else I have. Got lined up. I'm doing uh, I get the new GMC Sierra soon, so that'll be interesting. Uh, I think I'm doing a Trail Boss. <sighs> what else is there? Um, I'm trying to get my hands on a bunch of Chrysler product, but lately they've been slow to get back to me, which is kind of annoying because I need to drive a uh, Wrangler Rubicon, I need to drive the Stelvio, I want to drive the Hellcat Redeye, so there's a bunch of crap out there. I'm looking to drive from them, so hopefully, we get back. Hear back from them soon i'm flying in two weeks up to napa to drive the new audi a6 and audi a7 which i'm very curious about especially the a6 because that's been due for a while for an upgrade um you know the a7 will be good um but the a6 is the one i'm mega curious about the a8 too but um i haven't driven that one's not on my calendar yet and then i am going to be reviewing a 67 chevelle for the youtube channel and an el camino and a nova Um, And then I might also drive, uh, if you know Ron Baugh, his car was featured on Hoonigan. It's a Fox Body Mustang with like just a totally different style than you're used to seeing. Almost a Japanese JDM style on this wicked Fox Body build. We're probably going to do that soon too because Ron's a cool guy. Um, And so we got some cool cars coming up. And uh, we should have video soon of my wagon build. I was just talking to someone though about a project car that I really want and I just don't have space and time for. It is a W one twenty four wagon with five hundred e fenders, and it's been sitting for two and a half years. It just when it, it went into storage because the reverse gear went out, and so that's why they put it in storage. So it would need to be like it would. It needs the brakes looked at. It needs a carbon buildup looked at in the EGR tube. It needs that reverse gear addressed, but the price I could get it for is like so tantalizingly low that it it's like, fuck, I, you know, like I don't want to do this because the whole thing is I want to sell my one W114 to finish funding the wagon. I don't want to sell it to also get another project wagon. But if I showed you a picture of this car, you'd be like, oh, you should totally get that fucking car. So I'm trying my hardest not to buy this. Um, I was just talking to the guy about it today and because I, I was close to buying it instead of buying my 114 back in the day, but he owns it with his brother and his brother didn't want to sell, but the car has not moved since I last spoke to them. And he's like, if you want to buy it, you can, you can buy it. It's like, fuck. So I might go look at it just to see. Uh, but it's, thankfully it's not close. It's in like Van Nuys. So it'd be a, a shitty drive. I still might go look at it though, even though I really, really, really can't stress this enough. I really shouldn't buy it. Um, because I'm worried about how much it would take to get back on the road, but the price is so low that it still might be worth it. Drive it for a little bit and then flip it on bat or something like that. Um, fuck. I shouldn't I Totally. Right. I totally shouldn't. Ooh, I totally should. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'll be driving the new Ford Ranger soon for Jalopnik. Actually. Um, the drive event is in San Diego. That's coming up in December. Uh, So that'll be interesting. Very curious about that. I owned a Ranger. I had a 98 Ranger years ago. I'm very much looking forward to the return of the Ranger because it's a great car, great truck, excuse me. Um, So stay tuned for that. I'm trying to think about anything else I have cool coming up, Um, but it's a bit of slow scheduling at the moment very excited to get those other old school muscle cars in there because that's more fun for the channel so uh, we'll have some we'll have some good shit coming up we will have some good shit coming up so stay tuned for that now this is a solo episode and these are a little bit you know shorter uh, I, I already cleared the 30 minute mark so I feel good about that uh, I'm going to start the SVR up so you can hear it I hope it comes up in the mic let's see what happens I'll have to turn down the audio it, you know music's going to turn on let me just uh make sure the audio doesn't crank on you i'm going to try to rev the engine so you can hear it in a second but i just want to wait till the infotainment man the infotainment is really slow to turn on so um uh, because <laughs> the car is running oh because you're going to press screen screen to continue now uh, let's turn you down um okay so i'm gonna give it some beans I don't know if you can pick that up on the mic but this thing is like a joke loud it's it's basically like an f-type scaled up with more seats um it's hilarious it does the whole you know throttle over on pops it's it's absolutely ridiculous in all of the best ways so it's really fun and with that said i'm going to go drive it some more so i will see all you wonderful or i will talk to all you wonderful people uh again soon um, and we'll be back to uh, video podcast too once Chris gets back from SEMA. Uh, but in the meantime, we're kicking it old school here with audio only. Follow me on Instagram at Hooniverse Jeff. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Glucker. Also follow at the Real Hooniverse on both of those. Subscribe to our YouTube good channel. Good oh, there's the audio, and then go to. Um, iTunes, and uh, rate and review this podcast, because I I do think that still helps. So i got to start saying that again. And if you want your own podcast, go to ShoutEngine.com and uh, shout it out loud, which should be the tagline. But Chris, you know, whatever. (laughs) And uh, yeah, that's it. See you guys next week. Bye.